This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Monroe. Welcome back to Brojo Online. Today I'm going to be doing a podcast on trust and betrayal. The concept of trust comes up a lot. In my line of work, I get a lot of emails and have a lot of conversations about it. And particularly when the concept of betrayal comes up, where trust is broken. Where somebody does something that hurts your feelings and you didn't see it coming. You thought they would do something else. You thought they were a different person to who they turned out to be. And your brain struggles to to comprehend this loss and this, this pain. So we're going to look at trust and betrayal and I want to set the scene early and plant a seed. I don't believe trust is necessary for a good connection. I believe that's a message we've been given our entire lives, that love and and relationships is all based on trust. You know, how many times have you heard that? And yet the very concept of trust isn't very much explored. It isn't questioned and talked about. What is trust? Why do we have such a strong connection to it? Why, Why are we so obsessed with it? So I want to have a look at it today. Uh, Because of my experience working with criminal offenders, I learned very quickly that all humans are essentially untrustworthy. And if this is true, how are we supposed to have relationships if trust is a requirement? So I want to have a look at that today. Let's start by having a look about what is trust. I want you to take a moment just to think about it. Your own definition of trust. When you think of the word trust, when you think of trusting someone, of someone being trustworthy... And the opposite, someone being untrustworthy and being unable to trust someone. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Not in them, but in yourself. When you feel trusting, what are you talking about? Take a second to just check in with that. What do you mean when you say trust? I've got my own definition. Essentially, trust is about predictability And it's about the pleasingness of someone's behavior. So essentially, I trust someone if I can A, predict their behavior, and B, their behavior is going to please me. It's going to follow my rules. So I'd consider someone to be trustworthy if they do what I thought they were going to do, and what I thought they were going to do is a nice thing to do. Okay? So loyalty, for example is when somebody does a certain set of behaviors that I like and that prioritize my needs and they never deviate from that. They never surprise me by prioritizing somebody else's needs or their own. Loyalty is that following me type of behavior and it's consistent and predictable and reliable. For someone to be untrustworthy is either they're completely unpredictable, I never know what they're going to do and that unsettles me. Or I can predict what they're going to do, but it doesn't please me. So, for example, I can rely on someone to be a serial burglar and steal stuff, but I wouldn't call them trustworthy because the act of stealing is something I don't like. Okay, So they're trustworthy in the sense you can trust them to steal stuff, but they're not trustworthy by my rules. Unless I wanted them to steal stuff. If they were working for me, if I was a gang leader who wanted them to steal stuff and they kept stealing stuff and providing me with a commission, I'd consider them to be trustworthy. So just have a think about these concepts, how subjective trust is, what it means about you as a person. It's not really about them. 
It's about your A, your ability to predict their behavior, and B, how pleased you feel about that behavior, how much you enjoy that behavior. So when we say we trust someone, we say that we can accurately predict them and that what we predict is something that we like, and they follow through on that. So what is betrayal? Take a second to think about it. Somebody breaking your trust. Someone switching from trustworthy to untrustworthy. That shocking piece of behavior that upsets you. What needs to happen for that definition to change? What's happened to you in your life? Where somebody went from someone you trust to someone you no longer trust. When, when your ability to trust was damaged, perhaps. What happened? It's a really interesting and subjective field to get into. No doubt you'll have had experiences that come up for you. I've had one very recently, you know. Uh, Coming back to New Zealand, there was somebody I thought would be happy to see me. You know, an old friend. Uh, But they've ignored me and dismissed me. And I was hurt by that betrayal. But essentially what has really happened is that I no longer have the ability to predict their behavior, and their behavior is no longer pleasing to me. That's what really betrayal is all about. What I thought they would do did not line up with what they actually did, so my prediction was wrong. And what they actually did displeases me. Mostly because my prediction was wrong. You'll notice how somebody's behavior is more tolerable, easier to accept, if you saw it coming. It's the shock and the surprise that hurts, isn't it? So, if your partner cheats on you, but they always cheated on you, and you knew that they were a cheater, and you've come to kind of accept that about them, the cheating doesn't hurt as much as someone who's been loyal for 10 years suddenly cheating. The the shock and the outrage that comes from that. But notice that betrayal simply means you got your prediction about them wrong, okay? They were just doing what they do. You were the one who was wrong about what that is. And what that was, was something you don't like. You preferred didn't happen. You'll notice also sometimes you don't like the behavior simply because it was unpredictable. But if that wasn't an issue, if you had predicted it, you might even enjoy it. You know. For example, if, um, let me think of a good example here. i got a friend of mine, an uh, old friend, who just goes crazy when he drinks. And he loses his mind when he's at a party. But I know this about him. He's reliable. You can predict that he's going to do this every time. And I find it terribly amusing. You know, it cracks me up. He just takes his pants off and goes crazy. And I love that about him. But if someone I knew was to suddenly do that, like maybe one of my parents, someone who had never done that before, I'd be shocked and maybe offended and upset by the very same behavior. So it's interesting to notice, isn't it, that if you're able to predict the behavior, you might find it more pleasing. Pleasing, of course, means that it follows your rules. We often think that if someone did something that we consider bad, that that's somehow objectively bad, but it's just bad by our own judgment. For example, if I have a partner who cheats on me, I think of that as a bad thing. This person is a bad person for doing that. But if I was in an open sex relationship, where we're free to fuck whoever we want, I would not consider that bad behavior for them to go and sleep with somebody else. I wouldn't, call it, I wouldn't even call it cheating. 
I might even be turned on by it. So it's totally subjective what bad behavior is, what a betrayal really is, because it depends on your rules around what that person is and is not allowed to do. Okay. Even something that seems to be objectively painful, like a murder, right? It's still, it's the double up, is that you didn't think they were going to do it. I saw this when I worked with criminal offenders a lot. Somebody in the family becomes a murderer. And, you know, before you become a murderer, you're not a murderer. You know, there's a, it's, a, it's a big step up. And so it's always shocking to the people around you for you to do it. Almost always, unless there's a huge escalation of violence over time that was always going to end in a murder at some point. Most of the time when somebody commits a murder, not only is it the first crime they've ever been convicted of, statistically that's true, but everyone around them is just shocked by it. Okay. And we come to think, well, murder is objectively bad. And we won't debate that here and now. But the real pain, sadly enough, is not from the murder. It's from not seeing it coming. That's what really destroys the family of the murderer, not the victim. Is that they didn't see their little boy or their uncle or their best friend or whatever being a murderer. Because the truth is, he, he, he wasn't one until he was one. But him becoming a murderer, being a surprise, is down to your lack of predictive ability, not anything about him that's so-called wrong. In a sense, he was always going to murder. All the pieces must have been in place, or otherwise he wouldn't have done it. He was clearly set up to commit a murderer within the right circumstances. Perhaps we all are. Our shocked reaction to that happening is about our poor ability to see that coming. It's not about him betraying some sense of reality. He was always going to be a murderer, in a sense. So therefore, it's us that got it wrong, not reality. There are murderers, that's a reality. He's one of them, that's a reality. Us thinking he shouldn't be one of them is the problem. So I want you to just expand your mind to the idea that you being betrayed is not really about people being bad as such, but really about you having poor prediction skills and poor tolerance for people not obeying your rules. That's where the real pain is coming from. See, trust is actually a form of control, or at least a desire to control. You want someone to be predictable, and you want them to predictably follow your rules. That's what you mean by trusting someone, that they will play by your rules consistently. It's a very controlling ring to it, isn't it? Someone has to be what you want them to be. They're not allowed to be something else. If there's something else that hurt you, you're a victim to them somehow. Yet why is that on them to manage and not on you? Why is it when they break those rules... They're the one who's labelled as untrustworthy, rather than you being the one who's labelled as, I don't know, bad at predicting. Right? The problems with believing in trust as a concept, and that, you know, that it's needed for relationships, is when you are wrong, when your prediction is wrong, when people don't follow your rules, you start to develop these biases. You might, for example, start to see groups of people as being untrustworthy. I see this a lot in my work. A guy will get his heart broken by a girl. And if I hear about this girl, I'm like, yeah, of course she was going to do that. That's, you know, clearly in her personality type to do such a thing. But he didn't see it coming. So he's distraught by it. And then he comes to this conclusion, maybe woman are the problem. Now this guy, because of the way he is, he attracts women like this. 
So the next girl is like that as well. Now in his mind, it's confirmed all women are now untrustworthy. So he becomes slightly misogynistic. Which then is amplified because he keeps repeating this experience. Why does he repeat this experience? Because of what's in him. He's finding these women and aggravating these traits in them. Because of the way he is. You can see this with people uh, who are suspicious of the police. Now, perhaps you might live in a country where the police are very corrupt, but not every single police officer will be. But if you think they all are, and you treat them all as such, they'll react and confirm that bias for you. So the problem with believing in trust and believing that's necessary for relationships, or one of the problems, is you will eventually start to see groups of people as untrustworthy and eventually... Given enough time, this will expand out to the entire human race. Ironically, you're right. Humans aren't trustworthy. Because A, they're not predictable, and B, they're not going to follow your rules perfectly. So you're right to think that. The problem is believing that that means you shouldn't have connections with people, that you shouldn't open up, that you shouldn't be vulnerable, and that you shouldn't be honest, and you shouldn't let people in. That's where it becomes a problem. Because that's not true either. We'll explore that. So what happens is people get hurt a few times. They blame that hurt on the other person rather than realizing it was their own predictability skills that lacked and their own rules that were unreasonable. And then they withdraw. They withdraw to protect themselves from further betrayal, from further pain. Because they see other people as the cause of the pain, they withdraw from the other people. Of course, the problem is still not solved. Their inability... To predict people's behavior, their inability to tolerate people not following their rules, is what hurts them, and that will still continue to hurt them no matter how much they withdraw. In fact, they will surprise themselves. I mean, we all like to think of ourselves as trustworthy, but how many times have you let yourself down? <laughs> you know? How many times have you surprised yourself with your behavior? How many times have you broken your own rules? Even you aren't trustworthy to yourself, and you're expecting other people to be trustworthy. It's craziness. When you start to withdraw, and you withdraw from the entire human race, when you start to see all people or massive groups of people, like an entire gender or entire race or entire country or whatever, as being untrustworthy, eventually suspicion and paranoia come in. And it can get really skewed. And this is where I think conspiracy theory comes from. I think it would be rare to find somebody who has a strong conspiracy theory going who also has a history of very trusting, loving, and reliable relationships, right? You almost certainly see a correlation between betrayals and this paranoia. And we get to the point where we start to suspect that maybe we're part of something that's against us. You know, maybe I am specially targeted for betrayal. And once we start to think that, it's a very dark road to an isolated and very lonely place. Because we can't let anyone in if we have that belief system. So that's the setup, essentially. Trust is thinking that people can and will be predictable, and that what you're predicting is something you're going to like. Untrustworthy means they're either unpredictable, or they're predictable but you don't like what they're going to do. And betrayal is when you got your prediction wrong. When you thought they were going to be your version of trustworthy and they turned out to be something else. Their behavior is a piece of evidence that you were wrong. But rather than thinking I was wrong, you think they are wrong. They did the wrong thing. They didn't follow the rules they're supposed to follow. 
and then you start to withdraw and protect yourself, creating further isolation, but going no further to solve the problem of trust. I want to change tack a little bit here and talk about something that I came to realize working with criminal offenders. In terms of neuropsychology, reality is essentially a movie that we play inside our heads. The various stimuli and whatever the outside world is, something we'll never really know for sure. We don't really know what reality is, we just know how we perceive it. But something out there stimulates our receptors. All signals are sent to the brain, and the brain sort of projects this four-dimensional image. Time, space, depth, touch, feeling, everything. And we essentially watch this movie, and that movie is our life. And we are the star of that show. Not only are we the star of that show, we're also, in a sense, the director but we're a weird kind of director for this movie because we can't control all the elements, right? There seem to be other characters that walk in and out of this movie unscripted. Events that happen in this movie that weren't planned, and so on. But the director and the actor are, are kind of two people and one people at the same time. I am both the star of the show, and I'm the person who tells the star what to do. And sometimes the star doesn't obey me. And I become these two split people as I do something that I didn't want to do, for example. So we're in this weird, hyperdimensional movie. But the key point I'm making here is that we are the star of our own show. I, Daniel, am the star of the Daniel life. And no matter what's going on, I'm always the most important character in this movie. No matter what I tell myself, that's always true. Even if I'm obsessed with serving somebody else... It's me being obsessed that is the storyline. The other person comes and goes, but me and my obsession is still the star of the show. So even when somebody else is so-called prioritized above me, they're never really actually above me. I'm always the center of this very selfish movie. And we're all like this. No matter how altruistic you are, it's the altruistic person who's the star of the show, right? So I want you to keep in mind that as you walk around living your life and watching your life at the same time, you are the star of this movie. And everybody else is a background character who comes and goes. No matter how obsessed you are with them, no matter how important they are to you, no matter how much you love them, they are just an additional character. No different to a tree or a sound, they're just another part of the movie, but you are always the star, right? Which means you always make decisions, either as the actor or as the director or as both, that best serves the star of the show, that tries to make the best movie possible. Even when you do bizarre stuff that seems to sabotage your life, obviously the director wanted to sabotage your life. He wanted that to be in the movie, or she. So no matter what you do in the movie, it's always in your best interest, even if later on you regret doing it. At the time of doing it, you thought it was the best thing to do. And you'll see this. You do something that you know is wrong to do, like you eat a massive chocolate cake when you know you're trying to lose weight. But when you go to eat the cake, you've got this really good reason as to why you need to eat it now. You know, why you deserve it, or why you're giving up, or, or why you're just, you know, your blood sugar is low, and blah, blah. You've always got a good story as to why you're going to do this terrible behavior. Every time you've ever done anything bad by your own standard that you later regret, at the time of doing it, it was the best idea you had, wasn't it? 
It's always the case, because we're always doing whatever we think is the best thing to do. So whatever I do right now, whatever the committee in my brain is that makes decisions about this movie that is my life, decided that this is what needs to be in the movie right now, and it's doing it. So it must be the best idea I could come up with. Me doing this podcast, Facebook Live thing, for example, even if I regret it later and I think it's a stupid idea, right now, for some reason, I've come to the conclusion it's the best thing I could do. Right? So just notice that every time you do anything, at the time, it's the best thing you could do. And you are the star of your show and everyone else is a side character. And if that side character wants something that doesn't line up with what you really, truly, deeply want, that side character is going to be disappointed. They're going to miss out. Keep that in mind. Those background characters, they are the star of their own movie. And they care as much about your movie as you do about theirs, which is not very much. They are the star of their own show. They are their own actor and director doing their own movie with this huge background that you don't know or understand and this huge decision-making process that you don't really relate to because it's their own one. And just like you, the thing you have in common is that they are making their decisions to serve their own movie. Now, sometimes it might serve their movie to follow your rules, to be loyal, to be trustworthy by your definition. It might be what's in the best interest of their character at the time, and they might do that for a sustained period of time. But the minute that the director in their movie decides something else needs to happen, then that's what they're going to do. And it will always be a good idea in their movie, in their life, That will be the best thing they could do, even if it hurts your feelings. Even if it disappoints you and betrays you. It doesn't matter, because that's what they needed to do for them at that time, no matter how much they regret it later. You've got to understand, just like you always have a good reason for why you do what you do, they always have a good reason for why they do what they do, even when what they do really destroys you. Keeping in mind, of course... It only ever really destroys you because you wanted something else to happen. If you could just accept that people were unpredictable, they wouldn't really be able to hurt you very much. But you've got to understand, when somebody else does something, there's a narrative, a storyline, that makes complete sense to them, even if it sounds like crap to you. Think of the times that you've hurt other people, but you had a good reason for doing it. Yeah? That maybe they never understood. Like, maybe your parents wanted you to go to university, but you really wanted to start your own business. They said, no, fuck it, I'm starting your own business. And they wailed, and oh my god, you know, how could you not respect your parents? You're like, no, you don't understand, it's the right thing to do. Now, in their movie, you're like the demon, right? You're the the heartbreaker, you're the disloyal, unloving child. But in your movie, you're the righteous hero, doing what he wants, in spite of great resistance. Yeah? In your movie... That decision made a lot of sense, and theirs, it makes no sense at all. And yet you know they're wrong. There was a time when um, Dance Partner I had wanted to do a performance. And I said, sure, and we booked it in, and I forgot about it. And then my brother wanted to take me to something for my birthday. And as I went to book it in, I went, holy shit, I've double booked myself. My brother's already bought the tickets to this thing. I've already said yes to this performance. I have to let somebody down. And it was a tough decision for me. 
I was like, somebody's going to be really disappointed here and really hurt. And I can't avoid it. Somebody has to, has to go down. And I went through this big decision-making process and I came to the final conclusion, family comes first. When it's all other factors are equal, if I have to make a decision, I'll choose family first because they've always been there for me. Uh, they're the one thing I can rely on. They're my rock, blah, 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 blah. And so I disappointed my dance partner in order to go along with my brother. Now, on my brother's point of view, I'm trustworthy. In my dance partner's point of view, I'm now at least temporarily untrustworthy. In my point of view, I'm doing the right thing. Three completely different points of view. But notice that decision-making process I went through, where I come to a conclusion that I'm doing the right thing for me. And notice how my dance partner would not be able to understand that. Because that's not their story. That's not their movie. And yet it makes total sense to me. Someone cuts you off in traffic. Somebody cheats on you in a relationship. Somebody takes you for all your worth in a business deal. As harmful as that behavior might appear to be to you, in their story makes total sense and it's a good idea and they believe that just as much as you believe yourself when you do something similar you might try not to betray people well that's just your rules that you're following and in doing so you're betraying someone else almost definitely every people pleaser knows that at some point in order to please one person you have to let down someone else and quite often we regret even putting ourselves in that position right it's impossible to be someone who does not disappoint somebody else even if you're a people pleaser, there'll be somebody who's disappointed in you for being a people pleaser. Me, for example. If you're a people pleasing nice guy, I'm disappointed. You know, I want better for you. I think you're doing the wrong thing. When somebody's needs compel them, when the director in their movie starts giving orders, that breaks the pattern of behavior. They no longer care what's going on in your movie. They no longer care what your rules are. What trust means to you when they're compelled to do something else. When a guy cheats in a relationship, he might regret it later. He might think of him beforehand. He might think of himself as someone who would never do it. But at the moment of the cheating, it was the best idea he had at the time. And there's a really good reason in his mind for doing it. The human psyche is self-protecting and self-serving. A human is ultimately only as loyal as their best available options. And we've always been like this. It's one of the reasons we survive. We are aggressively self-serving. And it seems to work out in a community way as well. Loyalty is not a value. We often think of it as a value, but my definition of a value is something that serves you. The Germans were loyal to Hitler. You know. Killers are loyal to their bosses and the Mafia. Politicians are loyal to the party line. Think about how much damage has been done by that kind of loyalty. By that kind of trustworthiness. Mass murder has been committed by trustworthy people. And think about the people who were the disloyal and untrustworthy people in those regimes. Think about the Germans who helped to sneak Jews out of Germany, you know, during World War II. Think about the, the mafia guys who... who Go to the FBI and reveal everything that's happening in the mafia, preventing murders and, and you know, all sorts of terrible crimes being committed. Think about the politicians who, very rarely, have a moment of conscience and say, fuck the party line, this is the wrong thing to do. Somebody needs to speak up. 
Now, they are untrustworthy. They're unpredictable. They're not following the rules. They are betraying the thing they're loyal to. And we're lucky that they do. It doesn't mean that loyalty is necessarily bad either. It's just it's neither good nor bad. It depends on what it causes. In a relationship, sometimes being trustworthy is the worst thing you could be if that means being predictable for a piece of behavior that's harmful. For example, a nice guy who can be relied on to be agreeable. That's a trustworthy guy. And yet that constant agreeableness will destroy the relationship. And it will make him a terrible father. Guaranteed. So how is it good for him to be trustworthy in that sense? Now if he could just bring in a little bit of unpredictability, where sometimes he actually has a spine and says, no, I don't want to do that. Fuck that. Now he becomes a role model for his son. Now he becomes a partner that you can actually be attracted to. You know, now it's a different kind of trust. You can trust him to be unpredictably honest. So trust can exist in a sense, but it's a different kind of trust. He's not going to follow your rules, but he is going to be the man you need him to be. Even though that's something that sometimes you don't like. You've got to understand trust is not about somebody else's behavior. Somebody else's behavior is always completely lined up with reality. Because it's what really happened, right? Anything else is a fantasy. Whatever somebody does is exactly what they were going to do in that moment. Because that's what they did. Right? It's just total sense in that. So if whatever they did doesn't line up with what you predicted, then your prediction was wrong. Not their behavior. Their behavior is never wrong because it's always what's real. But if you guessed they were going to do something else, then you were wrong. And that's why it hurts you. Or at least that's mostly why it hurts you. You don't need to be able to accurately predict someone's behavior in order to love them. And then being trustworthy doesn't guarantee that there will be a good relationship there. Especially if what your version of trust is, is unhealthy for them. And unhealthy for your relationship. What I've come to, to realize that, that's kind of freed me from this is there's two things. One, is the only thing I can trust a human to be is unpredictable. That's the only thing I'm guaranteed is that at least some of the time what I think they're going to do is not going to be what they end up doing. Okay, so that's number one. And number two, I don't need someone else to be trustworthy for me to have a relationship with them I need to be resilient to unpredictability to have a relationship with someone. For example, you know, with my fiance, rather than hoping that she never cheats on me or that she never does anything that breaks my rules, I need to become a man who could handle it if that happened. Now, if I can become that man, then I don't need to worry about what she's going to do. I don't need to trust her. I need to be able to trust myself. Once I can trust myself to handle whatever happens, once my ability to solve problems is predictable, then somebody else's behavior doesn't have to be. They don't have to be predictable. They don't have to follow my rules. I don't need them to. I don't have that weakness. And essentially for the last few years, that's what I've been working on. Constantly exposing myself to uncomfortable and unpredictable situations. Constantly letting go of controlling people and let them just do whatever they want. 
constantly double checking my assumptions to see if I'm right or wrong and really trying to figure out where I'm wrong, not hoping that I'm right. It allows me to build this endurance, this resilience, this anti-fragility. So that when my girlfriend does something unpredictable, I'm like, well, what are you going to do? That's humans. Do I still want to be with her? Yes. Okay, that's all I need to know. She didn't actually have to be trustworthy, so to speak. She just had to not cross a certain line. And when she does cross that line, maybe our relationship will be over. But I'll handle that. That's fine. I can set expectations with people and say, look, I hope that you behave in this way, in a consistent way. But I can also let go of control by saying, look, if you ever choose not to, that's fine. Just be honest with me about it. And we'll reassess from there. This is what I want. This is what respect looks like in my world. This is what trust looks like in my world. But you are under no obligation to follow that. You've just got to do you. And if that doesn't line up with this, then it just means that our time is over. And that's okay. That's the only way you're not going to be hurt by betrayal is to become a person where betrayal isn't even a thing. There's no such thing as betrayal in your world. Once that's your reality, no one can hurt you. You know, you go to a business deal and you come away from it and somebody totally fucked you over. You go, well, it's business deals. Sometimes you get fucked. What do I learn from this? Rather than like, oh, no, I can never do a business deal again. The world's too scary. That person is doomed, right? I hope that helps. I'm not really sure where I was going with that, as usual. But I see a lot of people holding on to some serious grudges and being very judgmental and, and unable to allow people in and be vulnerable and form deep connections without realizing that the problem isn't other people. It's, it's in you. It's in your predict- prediction skills. It's in your resilience It's in your neediness for predictability and rule following. If you can let go of those things, you're unstoppable, invincible. Hope that helps, and I'll see you guys all next time. Cheers.